welcome to the We're All Fucked podcast hosted by me, Derry Owen. And me, Dan's Grace. This is a podcast designed to try and take a light-hearted take on the ridiculousness of society as we know it and wonder how we all find a way to carry on, even though we know deep down we're all fucked. Each episode, we'll be looking at a particular topic, having a laugh and a cry along the way, dragging along a few guests with us for the ride. Remember to rate us and subscribe so you never miss our rounds. Well, hello, Dewey. You're looking decidedly depressed tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what gives it away except uh, having have not got a lamp on in the room? I think, I uh, think the, it's the, the, the alcohol lack of hair. And the alcoholic pallor. <laughs> How could you not be? How could you not be after what we've been subjected to? For our avid listeners, it's we commencing the 26th of September. <laughs> and obviously we've just been subjected to, you know, or basically a commercial skip full of right-wing guff. Yeah. I never yeah. thought I'd think that Boris Johnson was a moderate compared to... Compared to, the, to this is so dangerous about what's just happening to us right now. The gap between rich and poor is the largest it has been thus far in like modern society, apparently. And here we are. But I mean, we, but, we knew, we knew this, this was coming, right? Yes, yes, yeah. but it's like the same where you like you know you're going to die, but you just don't think <laughs> about it, yet. You know, <laughs> and obviously now it's here. You're on your deathbed, and you think, oh shit, right, it's real. But the, what gets me now, though, is the blasé nature of it. So you're watching Quasi Quartang sit mm. or stand at the dispatch box, justifying and capping bankers' bonus bonuses, mm. and like nothing happens. <laughs> like he just says it, and like people start nodding, and yeah. then it it happens. It's it's law like instantly, <laughs> and he thinks to himself. Did, this has just happened, and that's all it took. <laughs> we don't have any mandate. We haven't voted them in. We can't. Most we did, though. We voted. We, 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 voted. we voted the Tories in. Do you not remember a few years ago? Well, yeah, you know what I mean. With Re- the, the, the sounding victory. We've had Partygate since then, and we've also had the horrific, you know, gaffes. And, and the, I, mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that trust has... The confidence of the electorate. I don't think anyone would say that she has the confidence of the, the general electorate at the moment. Um, but here we are. Here we are. This it's is how like our electoral at system sort works. Of a, of a, you know, mildly rotten vegetable speaking. Is yeah. she is she robotic? Is she? I think she's dangerous. There's, there's no doubt about that. And you know what, what's going to happen? The, the thought to think how many people are struggling and thinking we'll give more money to the. I, I just I just can't. I can't compute it, and it's just insane. And I watched again the news the other day, where um, somebody was on, like an economist um, or another politician, I can't imagine. I think and they were just like, you know, question. Uh, they were just going for them. I can't believe we've done this. You know, it's a cost of living crisis, and we need to give money to the people who need it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the flipping journalist was like, "Oh, but uh, you know." The the government is saying that this will trickle back down. No, no, you don't have to give the other point of view. You know, just because for balance when it's fucking wrong. You know what I mean? It's the same thing when there was the Welsh. There was the Welsh. Um, 
what do you call it, the Welsh elections not long ago. Yeah. And on the Welsh version of Question Time, they gave a seat on the panel, which is an equal number to all the big parties, to yeah. abolish the Welsh Assembly Party. <laughs> we <We're> never, <laughs> ever had the seat again. Why is that guy... St- oh. <laughs> but the Greens... Who have been, uh, you know, a, a long-term party who've had seats yeah, yeah, in yeah. the UK cannot get a seat on. Oh, it's <laughs> so that's why I'm sat in darkness. That's why I am dressed in grey. I don't know where to go from here. I, I really uh-huh. don't, except buying shitloads oh. of beans and yeah. hoping for the best. Really, beans and a shotgun. I think that's uh, the two <laughs> yeah. things that I recommend most. <laughs> that's it, if we're in America, yeah, bloody hell, can you imagine? No, Jesus, it's how are you? It's, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I think shaken is probably, uh, the best word. <laughs> I think, I think because like, do you know, do you know when you kind of like, you make a gamble and it's not like I have no power. So it's not like, you know, I actually did anything. I didn't even make a bet. But when the, when the leadership election was first announced and it started to look like, you know, once I read a bit about each of the candidates, I picked Liz Truss fairly early on. Like I wanted her to win because she seemed completely mental. And like, if you look at kind of the Johnson election, for example, the last Johnson election, he did fantastically well by any like measure. He did really well. He got a lot of the electorate voting for him. And part of the reason that, he was so successful is because Labour for a very, very long time haven't felt like a credible opposition to many. I think yeah. that we had the Corbyn era where he was incredibly popular with many people, but he wasn't able to swing the media and therefore he wasn't able to swing the majority of the UK population. And now you've got Starmer, who's effectively been a wet fish for a long period of time. So Johnson got away with some really dodgy Hina shit. And I'm kind of wondering, okay, so Truss, how bad shit can she be? Like, how much attention does the average UK voter pay to the economy? Like, they they notice when the gas prices go up. They notice when the petrol prices go up. They notice when the food prices go up. Do they understand, like, basic economics? Probably not. Like. At what level is this? You know, are they going to are they going to react? Are they going to believe trickle down economics, for example? Because a load of people like you've got a significant portion of conservative voters who it's not in their best interest economically to vote for the Tories because they just don't earn enough. But they consistently have done for many hundreds of years. You've always got that sort of underclass just beneath the rich people propping them up. Now, which is the vast majority of everyone. Really, what? but the Conservatives have this art of making you think if you're on forty grand a year or something like that that you are one of them. It 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 bends and swells, so it gets thinner and and bigger depending upon the kind of era of the time. It's particularly big at the moment because we've generally got you know we've got a far right government, we've got a kind of centre right, maybe even far right population generally. You know, especially if you look at the kind of reaction to say the war in Yemen as opposed to the war in Ukraine you know the UK population are very clearly divided along racial lines on on those issues you look at the UK's reaction to the monarchy very clearly in support of the status quo so my kind of wonder is 
as the economy starts to bite, how hard is it going to have to bite before the UK voter goes, hmm, I don't think this is a good idea. That's that's like and that's why I feel shaken, because I'm like, yeah, the problem is it takes a lot for a person and makes a lot of a lot for a lot of people to change their minds, don't they? And I think the only hope that we have is that Keir Starmer is much more palatable than what Jeremy Corbyn is to the voters so that the other Labour voters will come back and vote for them. I believe that's the only hope. I think that will probably happen. And I, to be honest, think that maybe, and maybe, that maybe this is me being too hopeful, does trust kind of know, right, I've got two years here, I'm going to line me in my mate's pocket and then I'm going to fuck off and leave it in such a state. But then when Labour come in, it's going to be, they, they're then going to be an easy op- opposition almost you know because yeah. the place is going to be a shit the economy is sucking down this week oh that's not my... can you imagine if Labour were in that's a good fucking gamble isn't it can you imagine if Labour were in yeah yeah. and, and what the Conservatives would be saying about them now yeah. and you're just not hearing that the other way I mean you are yeah. hearing Keir Starmer on there saying yeah you know they're doing this they're doing that but they're not fucking going for it um. you know you should be out there with pitchforks Oh, of course, we can't now that, because they're about to outlaw it. Oh, shit, <laughs> right, let's get on, Dan, because this is taking over the fucking show. Yeah, it's all good, it's all good, it's Painful, needed. It's very needed. Well, probably the biggest intro we've had on a on a session, on a on, a, on an episode, but uh, I think everyone listening will agree uh, we had to cover our impending doom. Um, yeah. So very appropriately, uh, this week's topic... Is death. <laughs> what a seamless <laughs> link that is. <laughs> well, yeah, well oh, knowing man. it, I uh, I gave it the introduction of proper oh, Genuinely <laughs> like I, I I love earlier you were like, oh, I can't even remember what you said, but like you, you mentioned death a couple of times and it was like, Yes, yes, this Dave, is brilliant. Yes. This is brilliant. Yeah. He's primed, ready to talk about it. Yeah. I mean for for me kind of I mean I'll be honest with you, the the main reason I wanted to bring it is just because it's one of those massive topics that I'm, I, you know, it is a universal, and it's also something that I think, to a greater or lesser extent, everyone thinks about. I, mm-hmm. I don't think you'd be human if you, I mean, it's a bit like love and hate and going through a shit. It's you know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's all it's the a, important a, things in life. <laughs> Love, hate, going for a shit. It's it's a great uniter, and I think that I I've got a particular perspective on it because of my like my work, my professional life. But I've also got a particular perspective on it because of the people that I've lost and the ways that I've lost them. Um, mm-hmm. And it's an emotive topic. And but I think the thing that really sparked it was it, it feels like the end of days, like. The the stuff that's kind of coming out this last week has been really like, oh, okay, this is where we're going. Like things are about to go really, really bad. Not, the thing, not like for me on top of that, which a lot of people aren't talking about really, unless you're reading some or listening to some niche stuff, is the amount that right wing populism is sweeping Europe. Yeah. So Sweden, we know Italy, Sweden and Italy. And, you know, Sweden in particular, you know, like a, yeah. a Nordic country, which is obviously, you know, they're, they're the flag bearers, aren't they, for, you know, decent living and all that. And, uh, you know, how, how much it's sweeping and bloody, we know we've got hungry there anyway. This is like a 
piece of shit of a new carpet for the EU. And, you know, yeah. it's ha- we're living in a country where that is happening as well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, we know that they got close in France. Um, yeah. I don't know, things seem to be a little bit better in Germany and stuff, but it's scary, man. It's scary, I, man. I and it's know. all like all these partnerships that were, were set up basically yeah. after the Second World War to keep us safe are all just kind of eroding at the seams. And I just wonder, is it because most of the people now who experience the war, you know, aren't alive or involved in, in politics and it's all a bloody game to them? But yeah, yeah the, the, the doom is there. That. It's going to be a little bit of that, I think. Um, there's a Bolsonaro, um, I can't remember what date it is, and I can't remember the, the name of the opposition. Um, but there's a Brazilian election coming up pretty soon. Um, Bolsonaro is the far right guy, um, yeah. he's in, been in power, and the new guy coming through is um, kind of socialist. So that's one to watch. So that could be, if that goes the way that I think it will go, that's a little bit of hope. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. I mean, do you think much about your own death? Australian, Australian teams, it's done showing. <laughs> uh, do, yes, yes, um, I do. Um, some days with joy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be honest. Like, I, I always, uh, I, 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 I very much look at it. It's like, yeah, it's a transient thing that constantly moves. Whereby, I think of it very often. I think of it in cases of, uh, you know, oh shit, yeah. It, I kind of use it as like reminding me that I'm constantly trying to remind myself you know this is very very temporary very temporary yeah. uh, sometimes that will help me uh, if you're mm. going through a tough bit uh, because knowing that you know doesn't really matter but other times it will frustrate me um, in the moments where I know like I'm stuck in capitalism's machine yeah. <laughs> and I'm supposed to be rolling around in grass and enjoying the and <laughs> you know enjoying the scenery when I can't because I have to earn money to eat and I've got no other options uh, and in other cases, uh, there's the third bit where you know, where life is really shit, and I am like, you know, basically suicidal. Yeah. It's my comfort blankie. Generally, yeah. like the best <laughs> yeah, way you can put it is, oh, you know, yeah, that's that's so going to be no pain. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, and it's true. Not in respect of like I'm going to kill myself or anything like that. You know, it's just yeah. like it's like a comfort blankie. Think, well, it's not going to last forever in a really good way. I think I think a lot of I think a lot of people. Um, do that and I think a lot of people and both people who've had like severe mental health problems and people who would consider themselves quite mentally healthy I think that kind of universal um, barometer of well at least it'll be over at some point you know yeah if, if it's if you're really suffering if you're finding particular aspects of your life pretty challenging or, or you know most of it yeah yeah most of it yeah definitely but it's it's a conflicting thing and um but I do think about it often when you, you said, I know you the same, you've lost friends early as, as have I, as are most people probably. Um, but you know, however painful it is, I have always trying to take in it as strength, uh, in the respect of even if I'm having a bad shit day, uh, you know, knowing I've lost a, a mate when they were, they were in their twenties and then, well, I, I generally feel, well, at least I'm here to experience the shitness, you yeah, know, literally, yeah. and, and literally just being like that person would give anything. Probably yeah, to be here now to yeah. experience the shitness. Am I all here? Am I all here? Yeah, that's that's the Welsh uh, statement for today. <laughs> yeah, am I here? Um, but what I was going to say, oh yeah, this one question when I speak to people about death, 
Yeah. You know, just on a Tuesday in a pub. Um, oh, by the way, Dave. Yeah. I think I might die next Wednesday. <laughs> All right. The one question, right, that always shocks people is if you ask a person, um, you know, if I offer you right now that you want to live forever, and I've not met a person yet that says yes to that question. Yeah, so I said yeah. that you'd be here forever, so in a thousand years you'd still be here, obviously, you want to want And everyone says no. So then I always tell people, all right, so you're choosing to die then. And then yeah. they, they seem to be kind of like quite taken aback sometimes, those people where. Yeah. Uh, it's, but it's really interesting, and that, that should probably help people to think that it's not necessarily a bad thing. My God, I'm actually concerned now that I've asked people that question. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's a that's a good question. I think I think considering hmm, why don't I have many friends? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and me both. You and me both. I I think that considering your immortality is fundamentally a sign of health because if you don't, you've, you've got to be a bit brain dead to not sort of think, oh, this is all going to end. Yeah, like, or denial or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think. That's the thing. I th- I think I do have a little bit of denial because I I'm quite scared of death, and I don't feel like on average. Like if I get the average amount of life expectancy, that's not enough. Like I don't. I want more than that. Like what I'm, would you be I'm happy not... with? Hobbit years, maybe. Like... <laughs> Like maybe one fifty, one sixty. Like the ability of a pen. <laughs> I think. Well, no, no, no. Because I think that, like, obviously, you'd still have to have your health. Like, and perhaps as I, as my body starts to break down, I'll feel you know less keen on living because you know my body's relatively healthy at the moment, and there's I, I have as many aches and pains as the average thirty-three year old. I.e., not many. But it still makes me think, like, I could do it triple, quadruple, five times this. I, I've not done that much in the last 33 years. I've done bits and pieces. But generally, you know, it's not... If I was to die right now, they wouldn't have a lot of big things to put in the obituary. <laughs> yeah, not to think of, yeah, yeah, I think of it that way. But the, 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 the thing is with our generation, I think, is when we, when we tap out, you know, anywhere between 70 and 90 the problems they're going to be facing the world then if they don't sort them out now. And, of course, we know that they won't. So we're, yeah. we're going to be saying goodbye to a world that is <laughs> one that's going to be the worst. Itself. Yeah, this is going to be the worst to say goodbye to, I reckon. Um, yeah, I mean, that that does play on my mind. And I think that that's kind of, that's part of the reason why I don't have kids right now, because I, I think I don't, I don't want to bring you down too much. So I'm oh, no, don't worry. I've careful. thought about it all. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay, they're fucked. Yeah, 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 I know. Um, unless I can, I don't think the take only them way out before can, their tenth birthday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unless you can somehow give them some sort of like a massive financial like Security. foundation, yeah, to go on, which allows them to fucking build high enough from a floodplain or whatever. Yeah, yeah, this is it. This is it. But I think I don't know, like. Yeah, there is there is going to be a bit of kind of gladness, I guess, because I think it's going to. I mean, I'm generally a very optimistic person, and whenever I talk to most people about the climate crisis, most people I feel are a bit too naive. I think it's going to hit harder than people realise, and 
the last couple of years, the weather has just been anything to go by. And I'm not just talking UK, but like internationally, it's going really, really bad. So it's it's going to, I think within the next like five, 10 years, we're going to see some really significant changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so death in many ways could be like, oh, at least I don't have to carry on watching the world suffer. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is about death, of course, you never really get to find out. Now, I think Louis C.K., the stand-up, said this, which made me laugh. Like, you never really get to find out yourself when when you uh, when you die. You don't die and go like, okay, then. So it was eighty-three. The only thing you get to think of this is probably it. This is going to be like your final, your final, your final thing. Because I always say to people, I don't want to regret. You know, you won't regret that you are dead. It's not like you can like float up, unless I suppose you believe all this stuff, but you get to float up, look back down on yourself, and then, hmm, I, I should have done this. You, you, can't, you won't ever get those thoughts because no, you're dead. No, 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 you're missing, you miss, you're missing a trick there. It's, it's about those moments. It's about the level of suffering condensed into that period of time. So say, for example, like, take someone who's going to be executed, right? Think... Well, I can't remember his name. There's a, a very famous Irish folk song that's about written about a guy who got killed in the Easter like got killed after the Easter Risings, Rising, and he was taken out and executed, and his bride wasn't allowed to be there with him, and they were very they were married like in the jail, so to speak, like but they I don't think they were allowed to meet, so they kind of did this marriage through the walls type thing, and he was killed and. His last acts were, in defiance of a colonial force, were for something that he believed in. And none of us know what went through his mind. You'd like to think someone in that position didn't have any regrets. You know, was had such strength of conviction that they felt like everything that they'd done was the right choice. Yeah. But also, I'm pretty sure he was quite young. I'm pretty sure he would have shat himself. Oh, well, of course. I'm not saying that. I understand that. The moments, especially in those kind of deaths, are fucking horrific. But yeah. the minute you're dead, it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, that's true. That's you, true. There's no review, so you can't. Like, he floats <laughs> up and then looks back and says, fucking hell. You, you get know, a fucking email. Done that. If like, I have just oh, done that. Rate, rate your, rate your yeah, life. Yeah, rate your own life. Is there anything that we could have done better? <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what I mean. You, you've got to take comfort from that. Like, you know, like, oh, I w-, you know, you're not looking back on it. Oh, I wish it was still alive down there. You know, it's over. <laughs> You know, it's over. Yeah. So uh, that's very morbid again. I think morbid stuff, like, keep giving me strength. You know what I think? I think like, strength from being morbid. morbid. Is that possible? Uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I think that it's, for me, like, it's, I've I've had a pretty kind of, not a crappy day, but I've had a very sort of procrastinating, didn't get on with shit that I should have got on with kind of day. And... Had I realised this beforehand, one useful thought I could have had is that I will die at some point, so make the most of this day. And there are many, many people that will die tomorrow. There may even be people, statistically, well, that's depressing. Really, yeah, I'm going to say this anyway. Statistically, someone who's listening to this is going to die of cancer. And they might not die of cancer in 50 years. They might die of cancer in the next 10 years. Um, hopefully it won't be me, and hopefully it'll be no one I love. Um, but, oh, random, innit? Yeah, it's it's going to happen. And so I think that 
Is it carpe carpe diem? We got a Latin for the day. Oh, I don't know. I know. It's a bold joke to translate that for you. <laughs> I, I do apologise. I'm pretty sure carpe diem. Um, What's that mean? Yeah, seize the day. All oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's a big one. I mean, we've we've kind of exposed the fact that we're we're atheists, but um, do do you countenance? religion in in any way do you think that uh you could have a slice of that not not personally no uh but my my view was always you know if 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 believing that that stuff um gives you comfort <laughs> sorry i should have said it better way you know gives you strength and i'm all for it but of course my my worry with that is that most people live their life uh, with that weight, if you will, you know, the judgment day is coming, yeah. you know, that, that day. So even though it might give them strength in those final few weeks, months, if it is like a diagnosis that gets you there, uh, you know, bloody hell, you've probably wasted uh, a big portion of your life <laughs> striving for something which, you know, probably, well, I'm going to say chances are is not true, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and then there's the argument of is that lifetime of trying to achieve something yeah. worth just a few weeks or months at the end of your life to give you comfort? Who bloody knows, really? Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I don't think they ban religion or anything like that. But just because I know it and I've seen it um, give comfort to people, mm. um, but you know, not for me, absolutely not. You know, yeah. we're, we're, we're animals and it's uh, it's random and we're all alone and we will die. So just deal with it. <laughs> I'm afraid. I mean, I've looked into. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I optim- have you heard of optimistic nihilism? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like where we're headed towards, isn't it? Yeah, that is like the. F- I've always like looked at things, and that's the one that fits the bill for me. Like it's all <laughs> for nothing, yeah. absolutely all for nothing. But isn't that wonderful? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah because yeah. it doesn't yeah, mean yeah. anything. You can just literally yeah. like. Don't worry too much about it. I mean, that's that's good because yeah. people always think about nihilism as like being a really really bad thing, and of course it can be, and you can like mope around or whatever and do nothing. But hey, I might be wrong. We need guests in on this as well, maybe, and maybe we should get like one of those fucking televangelical people and we'll just get Lord, mercy. Yeah, we'll we'll leave the call like believing in God and poor because we will have sent them all our money. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think that. What do you think about religion on on death? I I think a big part of me would like to be religious because I'm quite greedy. Oh, really? Like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, I I I love I love. I mean, if there was, say, heaven, say the Christian heaven was real, and say like, on balance, I'd been a good enough person that I got into heaven. That sounds pretty fucking awesome. Even if it was just singing and worshiping all the time, I could hack that. But then, like, you've also got to kind of bear the brunt of the alternative of a fiery pit of damnation. And I, I'm generally quite a nice guy, but I wouldn't bet on it. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't solidly place myself in the heaven box. There's a chance that I'd end up in the hell box. Yeah, and who, you know, that assessment, I mean, maybe the NHS should come up with one, you know, where they could be, like, the mental health one, if you like, you, you, a mini, you score mini each one, yeah, if you score each one, and then if it's, like, over 27 points, it's, 
it's hell in a cell. And if it's uh, if it's less than that, you're golden. What do you what do you do if you uh, drop a plate? Do you say Jesus Christ or <laughs> Oh Mary or <laughs> I know I it's unbelievable, it's, isn't it? No, it's uh, yeah, it's a slippery slope. I think I think for me, I, I do very similar to you. I think that I get that people take comfort in it. Generally, I don't think it has a rational basis. Um, I put it on the same sort of box as um, astrology. Um, um, yeah, astrology is the mental one. Astronomy is the actual science, right? Uh, yes. Awkward pause where we both realise we're basically quite thick. Um, but yeah, I mean, what about what about a relationship with death where there's been quite a lot of cases in the news recently where kids very ill kids have been close to death mm. and the parents have very much wanted them to be alive. They've loved their children. And the doctors have said, nope, we think this one's dead. And then the courts have come along I'm and laughing. gone. <laughs> yeah, they're terrible, aren't they, those cases? It's, uh, it's an awkward one. It is an I mean, awkward one, and it's very difficult to answer because, as a parent, obviously you know that that situation. Uh, you have no idea how you'd react. You could think however long you want about how you'd how you'd react, but um, it, it's hard to 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 do it. But at the end of the day, the only argument that I would what I would front up for this is, you know, for for any kind of ailment, whether it's that one that the child is in the hospital or a minor one or a, a, a previous one you obviously trust that doctor implicitly and put them in your care and listen okay. to what they they recommend because obviously they're a doctor um and so i think as part of that you should probably still trust them at that point unfortunately even though it is the be all and end all yeah. Um, there should perhaps be a mechanism, uh, some of the, you know, like appealing. There should be some sort of an official mechanism. And I don't know, is, is there one or is it literally just like taking it directly to the court? I mean, I, th- I think there's, I, I don't know the subject well enough is the easy answer, but I, I'd imagine that the standard approach is the hospital has their thing. And then if you're, I don't know, of sound mind if you're if you're acting rationally and and you know you you don't have a million bucks to blow um you sit down with the other hospital professionals and you kind of go through their internal process i'd imagine they have an internal process set up for it in the same way that they'll have the complaints etc they've yeah. got kind of internal committees that you can go through depending upon how obviously how serious it is i think quite often the reason recently why these have gone to the highest courts is because of how undecided it is. Um, and a lot of these cases kind of turn on the facts, which then isn't actually that helpful for a lot of people because yeah, yeah. there's no sort of get involved. Dry. Yeah, we yeah, need to get involved in the report and it very basically. I remember the last one that you said, I thought the way the hospital uh, involved, I'm guessing it was the hospital or the trust, mm. the way they, I, I was just thinking about them, the way they release the statements at every point and the the language and the communication that they use to put yeah. over their viewpoint whilst also being sympathetic was, I think, magnificent. 
Yeah. And I thought somebody was having kittens and shitting themselves while they were typing that out on Microsoft Word. Oh, and for sure. Thinking, is this okay? You know, because if they say anything wrong there, then it's blah! I mean, it's, it's World War I, th- I can I can virtually guarantee you that the person that wrote that was a solicitor um, or a team of solicitors because yeah, there'll be an like, army of people involved in there. That that kind of thing isn't going to you know they're not going to give that to an in- intern um, or you know some work experience person doing their GCSEs. Um, it's a it's a sensitive sensitive subject. I mean, it's it's for me it's the kind of one side of the coin and the other side of the coin is are older people and at what point do we let them go and what's our relationship with death when it's granny as opposed to when it's the dog yeah and i and i feel like that's something that as a society the majority of us haven't really faced up to and i think that that's kind of it's it's in some ways it's sort of there's an interplay with our diets and our relationship with agriculture and how comfortable we are with, like you mentioned it before, like the kind of mass genocide of chickens and cows that regularly happens. Yeah. It's like we've, we've got a kind of death is death. Death is permanent. Death for many people is incredibly painful. But we've got kind of our own artificial grading system of like, oh, yeah, yeah. what is, what is worth more? And like, exactly. I would say bottom, bottom line, cow and chicken. Above that, dog and horse. Above that, granny. <laughs> yeah, I that, feel on, on euthanasia. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> and this is why those get into the in the news, don't they? Because decisions yeah. are made thousands and millions of times, uh, and people are just like, we should probably switch the machine off. Yes, self. You know, <laughs> that happens all the time, doesn't it? And, uh, but, uh, yeah, on, on kind of moving on to euthanasia and all that, yeah, you should be able to die whenever the hell you want. Is my is my truth? I am I am that clean on it. I swear to God, I am that clean. It's your own Derry, life. Derry, you can Derry. do whatever the hell you want with your own body. I, yeah, I, I I I get I get the logic. If we legalize right, if we legalize death tomorrow, and we we have the nit- nitrogen capsule, do you reckon yeah. there'd be a massive queue of healthy, sane people wanting to do it? Fucking hope so. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I was in London the other day and it was way too fucking crowded. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. We should need a plague, hey? Yeah. But we, that's we, my we view on it. If you want to kill a... yourself, if you want to kill yourself, you, yeah. you should be able to do it if you want, is my view. Do you, do you Even if we... you're like you are now, because it is your life. We, you we, don't we... want anyone else to be like, oh, it would be a shame then. Maybe you should have a <laughs> session with someone. You know, just to like, <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, this is a podcast with two idiots, but my my ultimate view is you should be able to die whenever the hell you want. We we could we Bosh. could sim- simultaneously deal with the housing crisis, the environmental crisis, <laughs> and the biodiversity crisis simply by like knocking down a shitload of houses, right? So if you want to die and you own a house, gets knocked down, right? You don't pass it on; it gets knocked down. Which might disincentivize the dying thing, but we won't tell them until after they're dead. Um, and then you get, you do that. And then where the house was, you build a load of nature. Well, you don't build nature. You grow a load of nature and it's beautiful. And there's rabbits and there's squirrels and there's butterflies and there's bumblebees and it's absolutely lovely. And then because that person died, they're no longer taking flights to Benidorm and 
the world is a better place. <laughs> but you've then incentivized death for the uber environmentalist. And some of them will then go to the nitrogen capsule thinking, I'm doing a good thing, even though they really want to live just because they think they're going to, like, produce a hedgerow for a few bees. Yeah, it's a risk I'm willing to take. (laughs) (laughs) But what do you think about that? Do you reckon I should be able to, if I want to die, I should be, you should allow me to die, shouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, in in principle, obviously, like, yes, is is the logical answer. Because to say anything else, I... We'll we'll attack it now. We'll we'll have to we'll pull it apart. But like, I feel on pure logic grounds, it is your own body. Yeah. Now, then you've got to consider the the role that you play, the your role within society, your role within the community, your role within your family, and I think that. But if I'm suffering and I don't want to be here, fuck them. So this is it. And I, I, I think is... you take it as pa- I, I think you take it as part of your decision making. And there's a lot of these. Who say, yeah, I'm going to carry on for my children or whatever. Yeah. But if I want to go, mate, go with stop you. Yeah. <laughs> it's I think I think it? no, it is. And I th- I think that for me, when I when I've been at points in my life where I've considered ending it, that's been one of the main things that's kind of held me back is like is the impact on the people that I love and the people yeah. the impact of people around me. And I think that's probably, you know, it's it's they call it protective factors in I think protective factors in psychology where it's like reasons you wouldn't jump off the bridge, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I don't know. I think that we're not individuals, that's the issue. Like none of us are actually individuals. We we are a jumble of cells that relate to another jumble of cells. Like we, we are inherently a network of people. We're not, none of us are actually in isolation. And I think that's, that's where it gets complicated of, as to whether someone should live or die. I mean, ultimately, if you have the means that you then actually have to make that choice. And I think this is why it's kind of ultimately it's, it's a fairly artificial choice at the moment because the majority of people who want to end their own lives either have to choose very violent, very uncomfortable methods because mm. it's not easily accessible and the majority of people in their lives don't want them to do it. Or if they're kind of end of life euthanasia type thing, it's a playground for the rich. Yeah. You have to be loaded to go and do it. Yeah. So if, I think in principle in that way, I'm kind of pro it because my instinct is, is whenever money comes in and money trumps, my instinct is democratize it because there's nothing that a rich person should be able to play with that inherently should be blocked off from other people in that mm. way. Mm. It's the same. Is This is that argument is generally, and not exclusively, but generally, as well as abortion, argumented from a right-wing perspective mm. about being pro-life. Um, usually, they are massive on... What my what is mine is mine. My money's my my, rights, my 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 yeah, rights, my yeah. my right to, to me what to do. Yeah, libertarianism. Yeah, 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 basically, it's fucking mental. 
It was crazy. It was crazy. And increasingly in Britain, you know, we've got a very individualistic society. And I think that this debate over euthanasia and death and so on inevitably will be coloured by that kind of dynamic in the future. It's it's not going to be a simple sort of collective benefit decision. It's going to be looking at, well, I I get to do this. This is what I get to do. Um, and then and people will be making their own opinions about what other people should do and saying, well, this is my opinion. So it's a, it's a hot topic. We don't have any of the easy answers, unfortunately. No, they, they don't want us to be a, a close, cohesive society, do they? Otherwise, they're, they're more likely to be fucked, so they need to split us apart somehow. Yeah, so, that's true. As in them by design, aren't we, unfortunately? Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. But you've obviously, in your uh, picking up on death, like on, if obviously it's linked to grief and things, um, which obviously you've you've got some experience being a grief counsellor. You still are, are you? Still are? I, I technically never was. Um, a counsel, I mean, if, oh, if you if you want to make yourself sound fancy, um, you call yourself a counsellor. Um, I always try and stay away from it because it's a little bit disingenuous, but. I was, a, I was, I think my official title was bereavement support volunteer and I did it for about eight years, um, okay. with, with children, um, because I, I know how to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. What do you, I don't think how we're going to, uh, frame this question. Um, in your, in your experience, what is the, uh, the most common Kind of emotion or, or feeling or, or reaction somebody has uh, to grief, and what do you think somebody can do to kind of try and help them, kind of prepare for that or help them through it when that time comes for them? I, I would say, okay, so divide that into two. First bit, what is the most kind of common massive overwhelming sadness? You know that feeling where you're a bit shit at swimming and you feel like you're drowning and then you start to panic because you think you might be drowning and then you're like you breathe in water and it feels horrible and you're just sort of freaking out yeah well <laughs> <laughs> that's great i'm not a great swimmer, a swimmer? i'm a great swimmer hey. grass has got a chance but I'm not a good swimmer. No, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, whenever I think of that, I always think back to a particular swimming lesson when I was about, I don't know, eight or nine, and I wasn't, I wasn't a great swimmer. But um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say, the children that I've supported, when they've got close to it and they've actually been sort of sitting with their feelings and acknowledging it, that's what I've witnessed most. And then how best to prepare and how best to support, kind of two two slightly different um, sides of the coin. How best to prepare is talk about it, make it part of reality. Like mm-hmm. from an earlier, I, I think if I do ever parent someone, if I'm going to be a dad to anyone, I will introduce death and sex and all of those kind of massive topics age appropriately as early on as possible. Because mm-hmm. I think that it's kind of, it's one of those where, I think there's a big risk if you mollycoddle a child and say, oh, you know, they're up in the sky or whatever. Children are not stupid. And if they're young enough, they will have fantastical ideas about that. And then they'll think, oh, maybe he'll come back down from the sky or whatever. 
but eventually they'll realize and they may feel betrayed or they may just you know have that grief again of realizing that person is actually permanently gone i mean you may be raising them religious and then you know the whole whole nother rule book applies but i think ultimately most children these days it helps if they have an actual awareness of what death is as far as they as they can within their own cognitive understanding and that isn't just according to age because children vary it's according to them as an individual and and what stage of development they're at yeah Um, we're having that now with our eldest so there's been a uh, he's four he's five in february you killed his cat did you yeah oh i had to you know just to prepare him (laughs) Take it out. Yeah, this he is was, tabby. Bye. Yeah, he started crying when I made him eat it afterwards. <laughs> no, but oh, um, there's been a couple of deaths, and you know it's very tough. Uh, and and he, he's he's obviously at the age now where he's you know he's aware when somebody's not around, and he's asking a lot of questions and this that and the other. And it's very tough. And I'm I'm I've always been a parent. Be honest. Yeah, you know, as you say, age appropriately honest. You know, they're not coming back. Um, We've gone down the angel route and said that, you know, an angel's taking them away, you know, because because they were older or or, or whatever. And, yeah, they're not going to come back, basically. And then um, the the other one we had, and you don't know what you're doing the right thing, but we had the queen, yeah. And he he's always been aware of the Queen all the time, so we had to tell him again, you know, unfortunately an angel's come down and taken the Queen away. Uh, you know, because you, you've got to be careful as well, because you say, because she's really old. Because then you might slip that somebody is old, you know, like nah, not granddad or something, and thinks, oh, when's the angel coming? You know, you've got to be so careful. So anyway, in the end, we kind of allowed him to watch some of the procession and with the coffin right. and everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he was absolutely fine with it. You know, he was like, we, it, I think in, in your head, you're just like, they're going to be traumatized there and go, got an idea. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. now they just like take it at face value. Like, all right. Okay. So the queen's in the box and, you know, an angel's going to take her away. And yeah, that, that's it. Like, I was, oh, all right. That was easier than I thought. So, I, but it's so easy just to not talk about it, not say anything. Oh, I just get the star in the sky. And, but oh, I just oh, sympathize. Oh. I'm not saying I'm, I'm probably made a load of mistakes there. It's tough for parents. I, I don't I don't I don't think that, you know, there's no perfect way and just because I have one opinion it doesn't mean it's the right way. Um I think that <laughs> I'm trying to you know, I, I I often find it quite easy to put myself in the shoes of a child, um, as long as they don't catch me doing it because, you know, otherwise <laughs> I might get arrested. <laughs> Get out of plaques, Dan, you're banned. <laughs> oh, no, I just like them. They're shinier and more colourful. Um, anyway, <laughs> but no, on a, on a serious note, I think that the idea of an angel just randomly coming down and taking someone, that sounds fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah, this <laughs> it's is like, it. It's like a it? serial killer when, doing the round. When you analyse it, yeah, you're going to make turn them against <laughs> angels and stuff. And... <laughs> Well, I mean, you know. I, 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 I'm not saying that you've, you've made a mistake or anything harsh like that, but I think that everyone, you, you know, you, you make a gamble and then you pay for therapy later. It was a contact. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Go big or go home. Yeah, I've started for therapy for now. I'm, I'm, I'm putting 20 a week now instead of 10. It's yeah, getting worse. Yeah. It'll be 30 for next week. <laughs> But, but I think no, I don't know. I think the. But when, um, when is age appropriate? Like, then do you reckon for a kid to say, right, they're in the box, they're dead, they're gone, bye? I think it very. I mean, it very much depends on the kind of 
conversations you've already been having with them. I've, I've met some children and some parents who have very, very open and honest conversations with their children and therefore their children are more mature and generally more aware of the world around them. And then some children maintain a kind of sense of, I don't know, unrealism for a very long time in their, in their lives. And yeah. I don't think that either is necessarily particularly right or particularly wrong. You know, it's, it's kind of, you know, we're all just trying but to is do the, as best is we the can. Latter, is the latter there more likely to end up with a bereavement support? Our, our training. Like yourself? Yeah, I mean, our, our training. I love that officer. Call me director next, please. <laughs> director of the death. <laughs> um, I think that it's, it's one of our training and, and, you know, CPD and all the rest of it basically said be open and honest and don't use you know these kind of fancy ass metaphors and stuff be be blunt about it don't don't you know oh he's just gone on holiday you know it's yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> when is he coming back mummy yeah yeah George, just hope he forgets it's been three yeah. years <laughs> my dad's still not back yeah. um but i think i think it is it's tough and then like how best you support them i think it's a continuation of that open and honesty and also being very highly emotionally intelligent highly emotionally open like show crying in front of your children it's one of the reasons i don't have kids now because i really struggle with crying and if i ever do have kids I want to be able to cry. I want to be able to be really like emotionally open with them because I think it's really important. And I kind of think like, oh, um, if in terms of grief and in terms of bereavement, if they see their parents or their caregivers or, you know, those parental figures in their life crying and being open about their emotions, it helps massively. Mm-hmm. It's, it sort of, it normalizes it and it allows it to be part of a healthy process. Um, yeah, they they cry about eighteen times a day anyway, or a wrongly shaped <laughs> Harry Bowl. So uh, <laughs> surely can understand somebody dying, you'd whimper a bit. Do you yeah. do you do you cry in front of them? Um, that's a good question. Actually, have I? Have you had any grief in front of them? No, no, no. Is that is that a personal choice, or you just not had any grief recently? No, I've not had any grief. Uh, Really, the deaths have been have been either kind of fairly distant to me, or you've just decided not to give a shit. Oh yeah, like you don't. You got to be careful with your language, haven't you? But you know, maybe on like the other side of the family or something, somebody you've oh, not known that yeah. well. Um, yeah, 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 not, I don't want to sound like a road boy or anything, but obviously not like affected you in, in a way that you know, like losing, you know, boy, brother yeah. or sister or something, whatever, whatever yeah. you would. So no, I don't, th- I don't, I don't think so. I cried when Everton scored that last minute winner. Uh, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, no. But you know, not not like I'm a robot. Thing. I'm an emotional guy and stuff. It's just like there's not been huge amounts of yeah of you, opportunity. You, you know, to quite really. <laughs> you you strike me as the kind of person that would show emotion in front of them. Um, that you know you, you'd be quite kind of open about it. Mm. I think probably more by lack of choice rather than anything else like yeah. the anguish would be written across your face yeah you, you, you can't hide it well you okay dad <laughs> <laughs> no we're all gonna die yes we're all gonna oh god <laughs> uh, 
it's good to it's good to discuss it though, and it's good to kind of explore it. And uh, it's it's just not talked about enough, is it really? I, I do find that the older people, uh, older people in general, who are getting into you know stoppage time in their life and stuff, I I, <laughs> I think it's kind of a natural journey maybe you make mentally, and I, and I think that I know a lot of older people that speak very matter of fact about it. You know, they'll just say, oh, you know, I won't be here in five years, or you know, it's you know, yeah, oh, you know, when I oh, they might choose like talk about wills or talk about plans yeah. like very matter of fact. So yeah. I think maybe once you get to that age, you just like it becomes more normal anyway. But right, um, definitely, I I think that we're speaking as two people who have never experienced terminal illness and are in our early thirties, and therefore our perspectives are entirely coloured by that. I think oh, if you've been yeah. through a kind of life and death experience, or you're older and you kind of your health is not as great as it once was. You, you're going to have a very different relationship with death. Um, yeah, we, we, I think we both go. It'll happen at some point, probably. Yeah. Maybe. Well, have you ever experienced like you're talking about terminal illness? There, I've seen it a few times where the person that has got the terminal illness, in some ways, deals with it better than those loved, loved ones around them. Uh, I've mm. seen that quite a few times where it's like, okay, they they just like have to. Or maybe they yeah. find this thing within them. Yeah, I don't think you can ever know whether that is you until uh, the day happens. But it's kind of harder for the people around them to. I'd, I'd, I mean, that'd be yeah. shit when it, you deal with it, and then you end up bloody having to support the people around you <laughs> who are not dying to ensure that it's all right. Watching that, I th- I think like um, when Cho died, we never discussed. Well, I never discussed it with him that he was dying. But he must have known. And in those like last month or so when it was like definitely, you know, this was it. He had he was very ill, obviously, so he spent large periods of time where he wasn't that aware of what was going on. But when he was kind of more with it, he was generally pretty fucking chilled. Like he wasn't sort of super you know, upset with it. I mean, I'm I'm speaking out of turn slightly because obviously I wasn't his family, so I, he may have had times where things were more difficult. But the time that I spent with him, generally, was pretty mellow. Um, and so it's like, yeah, I think that I kind of hope when I get to that age, if you know, hope, hopefully I'll live a long life, and I'll be able to kind of be that person who's like, yep, yeah, okay, my time has come. This is yeah. it. It's okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully, man. But until then, we have the comforting thought that we're all fucked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is it. But we always have an out. Even if we do nothing about it, our out is death. So Yeah. So what's your final thought for this week? Yeah. Uh, well, it's been kind of good, good to talk about it, really. And I, I enjoy talking about it, you know. I do. And it's one of them where I'm always, you know, small talk I, I hate. I've got to be careful not to bring, you know, heavy stuff up, but it's really good to talk about it. And, um, it's great you're not single. Yeah, well, yeah. Jesus. So, no, I don't know. It's, it's tough to probably get a final thought, I suppose, isn't it? But um, when we're looking at how shit things are up and down everywhere, it is a one uniting factor, isn't it? And it might take that asteroid, Dan, 
it might take an asteroid, you know, and then all, po- you know, that's coming for Earth. I know they're doing that trial at the moment, but <laughs> it might take an asteroid, um, you know, like a semi-dangerous one for just yeah. like everybody to unite and think, you know, we're all going to die and that, that might actually help. Maybe. So is, is that even a thought? Is that even a thought? I don't know what it is, really. Um, <laughs> but no, I've enjoyed it. Thank you for bringing up death. <laughs> it's so good, you sad fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for another great session, Dewey. Spot on, mate. See you next week. See you soon. Hi, guys. I hope you like listening to our season one of We're All Fucked. It was a great pleasure. I'm sure you'll agree, Dewey, in, in making 10 episodes for people to enjoy. Really enjoy it, and I feel marginally better. Yes, thanks, Dan. Good, good. A little bit of compassion, a little bit of joy is, uh, yeah, great for a weekly episode. Now, we do have some big decisions coming up, and I'm quite open and honest in saying that we don't have all the answers, but we have really enjoyed this, so we are likely to continue. And we want to hear from you, whether you want to carry on uh, being our audience, whether you don't, either or is fine. Um, and we will adjust the distribution as required. And we may even go big and go on Spotify, Apple Music, etc., etc. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, I think that about sums it up, Derry. Absolutely, yeah. In. Absolutely. And uh, just a quick thank you again to everyone for taking the time because I know everyone's really busy. We appreciate everyone who's given their feedback. But as Dan says, we absolutely need more. So thanks very much, and we'll. Uh, We'll keep you posted on uh, on the next steps for us. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye.